Well, that's great news, isn't it? God's answering prayers even while we're, while we're praying for Him. That's pretty cool. All right, so it's good to be here with all of you tonight. I'm sure you guys feel the same. It's probably uh, it becomes old hat, doesn't it? Seeing God answer prayer just week after week after week, seeing God answer prayer for you guys. And it's remarkable to me to see this many people getting together every single Tuesday night to lift up prayers to the Lord. Uh, to me, it is absolutely overwhelming. It is so cool to be able to see this. And for my kids as well, whenever they see this, they're overwhelmed because at, at, at our church, we get together for prayer, but it's like, you know, we can fit in my living room, right? So this is just amazing. Anyway, we love you guys. Well, I wanted to give you a little bit of an update of what's going on. As most of you know, the reason why we are in the States is because we're on this kind of tour around the United States to be able to celebrate with all of our churches that have been praying for us and supporting us for the last 20 years. We are celebrating everything that God has done. And the reason why we do that is based upon what the Apostle Paul did after his missionary journey. It says that he went back to his home church in Antioch and he rehearsed with them all that the Lord has done. And so we want to do the same. We want to go to all of our supporting churches and I feel it's important that they don't just get a letter from us. I want to be able to tell them face to face, you know, thank you. Thank you for praying and thank you for supporting us. And please don't stop. Please don't stop. And uh, that's it's not really a joke. We really need them. <laughs> we really need them to not stop because my wife is an expensive woman. So <laughs> I need a. Uh, I need all of these churches to know how thankful we are for what God did. And what God did is he planted a church in London. There's a, a church just like yours in mind and heart and spirit uh, that is in, in London now. We, we have a living faith church in London uh, that is a disciple-making church. They are a soul-winning church. They are an expository preaching church. They are a King James Bible church. Uh, it's a church just like yours. Good, solid doctrine. It's great for me to be able to be here, and I get texts from them with pictures of them out on the high street, soul winning, and they don't, they don't need me at all. I mean, they do not need me. They're carrying on perfectly fine without me, and that was always my job, was to work myself out of a job, and I think I did too good of a job because uh, they, don't, they didn't even notice I was gone. They're just carrying on. And so we're really excited about that, to see them doing that. And we're excited for Paul Waller and his wife, Emma, that God answered our prayers and he gave us a man uh, that was called and we were able to train him up. So we just want to go around to all of our churches and that'll take us a good 18 months to be able to pull that off. And we've also got to raise some more support uh, just uh, as a good, a good example of God answering our prayers personally in the last 20 years. Uh, that we've been living there, uh, our rent never got raised one time in the entire, yeah, that's what I said. Uh, in the entire time that we lived there, uh, when we came back this time, we were paying the same rent as when we arrived. We lived in only two houses, and in both times, the, the, the landlords never raised our rent even one time. Uh, and that's really cool, but like in the area where we are living, like Madison went out, she was like, maybe I'll go try to find an apartment of my own. And she found like a little studio apartment that was above like a little chicken shop. 
on the high street and they were, uh, they were offering that place for the same rent that we were paying for a four bedroom house. Uh, you just can't find the space for that kind of money anymore. So we have to raise some uh, extra support just to be able to pay rent and just to be able to afford a place. So we're gonna do that as well. But in 18 months, we're gonna go back and we're gonna start church plant number two. And our church that we currently planted, they're gonna be involved in that church plant. As far as I'm concerned, me and Paul Waller will work together as long as God will allow us to. Um, and we're gonna work together and we want this next church plant to, to come out of Crossroads. We want them to be a part of it. We want them to be able to fellowship together, but also be separate and independent. So that's kind of what we're going for. And, and in that vein, I need you to pray for two main things. This is part of what we call our 2030 vision. When we get back, we hope to have the next church up and running in five years. That's what we're praying for in five years. The first one took us 15 years to plant. We're hoping that this next one will take us five. Now that's a really big ask, but I think that the Lord can do that. I really do believe that he can. After what he's taught us with the first one, I think the, the second one, I think that that's possible. So we're asking you to pray for two main things on that. One is we're praying for a building. When we get back, we need a building and we need a man. I need another Paul Waller. God was the one who gave us Paul in the first place. And I think that he can give us another one, right? And that's what we really need. If we have a place that we can meet and then we have a man that I can pour into and that I can train, well, all the infrastructure that we created with the first one uh, through like uh, our dis uh, discipleship process, through our evangelism training, through our how to study the Bible and all the different things that we created with the first church, that infrastructure still exists and we can plug that in with the second one. And if I have a man that I can train, well, everything after that is really just degrees of growth and we can get something started. And uh, I really think it's possible to get the next one at least up and running in five years. And so that's what we're praying for. So I need you to pray for a building and a man. Now, both of these things are impossible. I need you to understand that. Over there, finding a man that is called of God uh, and finding a building, both of those seem equally impossible. Uh, there is no space over there. Uh, we, just in our little neighborhood, we have about 65,000 people uh, just in our neighborhood. In our borough, we got about 300,000 people, just people on top of people. It's in a relatively small area. Uh, any space that's available gets eaten up. So it is, it is next to impossible to find a, a church building where a church can meet. But God can provide that for us. He can through your prayers. So I need you to pray for that. And then finding a called man. Finding a man that we can either lead to Christ or we can disciple and train, also that is an impossible thing. But if it wasn't impossible, then we wouldn't need to pray for it. So that's why I need you guys to commit to praying for these things. Okay, some more prayer requests. Let me throw these out to you. Some prayer requests. First is the support that we need to raise. I need you to pray for that, that we can raise enough support. Uh, also, I want this furlough to be a blessing to my kids. Uh, you guys have been just a huge part of answering that prayer already. You guys are a huge blessing to my kids, uh, but I really want this time that we spend together in the States, and especially as I have to be apart from them a lot, I really want this time to be a blessing for my kids. So please pray for my children as we're here. You have to remember uh, that when we come to the United States like this, it's very different from them because they, they were born there. So for them, they left their home 
uh, to come here and spend you know, a year and a half here in the United States, which it, it's awesome for them. For them, it's like Disneyland. It's, it's just amazing coming here. And, uh, and it is cool, uh, but they did leave home to do it. And uh, so I, I really want this to be a blessing for them and for their faith to be encouraged. So please pray for them. Also, we have to homeschool the two youngest ones. The top two are done, uh, but the two youngest ones, we're homeschooling them. So please pray for my wife that she does not murder our children. <laughs> and then, uh, then also, just to be able to get to all these churches in 18 months, it's also going to be a challenge. So please help me and pray with me that I can schedule the churches that I need to see and need to visit. Also, we had to say goodbye to Madison this morning. Um, we took her to the airport. She had to go back to school. And that just freaking sucks. It just is just the most sucky, sucky thing in all the things that suck. Oh, man. It, today has been an awful day. Just been awful. So please uh, pray for Madison as she goes. It is a, it is a, it's a difficult thing what she's doing. And it's very trying, very lonely. It's very difficult, you know, uh, lots of trial on her faith. Um, and so she has to be on guard all the time. It's, uh, it's difficult. Uh, but she's very close. It's her last year. By May, she'll have her degree and we'll be, you know, we're very proud of her, but, and then pray for me, because I, I just want to cry every time I think about it. Uh, the rest of my family feels the same. Uh, we hate being without her. <sighs> anyway, I have to keep moving or else I'll have a breakdown. Number six, um, we need uh, good health traveling. Good health, because we just eat like crap all the time while we're on traveling and stuff. And then you have kind people, and that the only way they can show love is through food. So I am just going to be like 400 pounds by the time I finish this thing. I need to, and it's all fun and games, okay, until you're on your third cheesecake, and it's not funny anymore. <laughs> it's not funny, and you're like looking at your wife, and you're like, is this going to stop? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I had a salad. So... <laughs> Uh, number seven is pray that we can stay close to the Lord. Pray that we can stay close to the Lord, that this thing can really be uh, strengthening to our faith as well. Um, and number eight, the final thing that I hope and pray that by the time we leave, uh, the, the thing I want more than just about anything is I pray that you guys would really know just how much that we love you, how much we care about you. Okay, we just got a few minutes left, and I... These are the things, I really need your help with this. Because I, I think that we can get another, I think we can get a second church planted in London. I really do. And um, if you guys are behind us, that gives us so much confidence to be able to do that. But I did want to share with you very quickly, we've got about 15 minutes here. I just want to share with you a, a, one of the major lessons that I learned on the field. Would that be okay? Um, so if you turn in the, your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1, just let me uh, share this with you really quick. And th this is pretty important to me. It's an important lesson because it has to do with your ability to be happy. And I, I'm not really going to preach to you or anything like that. Just, just a little Bible study. It has to do with your ability to be happy. Um, and that's something that concerns me because I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm not happy all the time. It's actually something that I 
struggle with personally, just uh, being happy. And uh, so this particular subject is important to me because um, to find out that God is concerned about you being happy. He actually is concerned about that. And Psalm chapter one is all about that. This is part of the wisdom books. You know, Job is about the tribulation man. Proverbs is the wise man. Ecclesiastes is the philosophical man. Song of Solomon is the lover. But Psalms is the happy man. He teaches you about how to be happy. And and Psalm number one starts off, it is kind of the fountainhead for the entire Psalter. Starts off just telling you what it looks like. This is what happy looks like. It's so important for me. Okay, so here's kind of the main idea that, that, I, that I've learned over the last 20 years. Um, you, you cannot be happy if, if you're not a soul winner. It's impossible. You can't be happy if you're not a soul winner. That, that is the picture that he paints for us, right? In Psalm 1. I don't know if you've ever looked at it that way, but the happy man is a man whose roots are dug deep into God's word, and as a result, he is producing what? He's producing fruit. That's what a happy man looks like. That is what a happy man looks like. And if we are not producing fruit, we don't look like that. But the main thing that I really wanted you to see in this, we don't have time to go through. There's only six verses in this psalm, and we could spend a week uh, if we had all day just in those six verses. We don't have time for that. So looking primarily in verse number one, one of the things I really wanted you to see is you see that progression. Because he starts off with the negative. And why does he do that? He starts off with the negative because I think that's because God always kind of finds us in a mess and he kind of t- tells us how to get out of it, right? He always finds us wrong so he can tell us how to get right. So he starts off with the negative. So it starts off, happy is what you don't do first. He says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So the happy man starts off with what you don't do. But do you see that progression that is there? Do you see that the, the progression it just starts off with a little counsel? You following with me? It just starts off with a little bit of counsel, and then it, eventually it leads to you standing in a particular way. And then eventually you are sat down at the table with them. But do you see the progression, how it starts? And that's such an important progression, as you see the way it increases as it goes in intensity. It's just walking in a little bit of counsel, then you're standing. First you're just kind of walking by. Then you're standing around. Now you're taking a seat. There's a real progression there to those things. Starts off with a little counsel, and what starts off always very casual always ends with collusion. That's the way it goes. What starts off casual, it ends with collusion. But you probably know that. If you've been around and you've studied your Bible any length of time, you know about that progression. But I want you to take a closer look, because do you really see what that is that's happening there? In that verse, verse number one, take a look at it. Look in your verses, look in your Bible there. Do you see what is really happening there? Where you start off and someone is giving you some counsel that you're supposed to follow, and then you have to then decide to trust in a particular way so that you can then decide where you're going to abide or where you're going to take a seat. Where, who you're going to have fellowship with. Do you, do you see what is happening there? 
what that is? That's evangelism. That's what evangelism is. It starts off with you sharing the gospel. You're giving them the counsel of God's word. Then they have to decide if they're going to trust in the way so that they can then come and take a seat in heavenly places in Christ or even take a seat right here in this auditorium. What you see in verse number one is evangelism. It's nothing short of that. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but did you know what the devil is? Satan is a soul winner. Satan is a soul winner. That's what he is doing all the time. That's what he's doing out there right now. And he doesn't ever stop. He is all the time whispering his counsel. He is all the time trying to get you to trust in his way. He is all the time trying to get you to take a seat at his table. He is all the time trying to win souls and steal souls to his way of life. And what bothers me the most is that he's over there in London and he's doing that right now. And he is doing so much better of a job than I am. He is doing a fantastic job winning souls all the time. And what do we do? Isn't it only fitting that we should be a soul winner as well? That we should be doing at least the same as what Satan is doing. And he tells you all the time here in, in chapter one, he says, do not listen to his counsel. Do not trust in his way. Do not take a seat at his table because he is one of the best soul winners that you will ever find. He is fantastic at his job. And that is what drives me all the time to be a soul winner. And as you progress on with this, you can see that the only way that you can ever be happy is whenever you yourself decide that you're going to dig your roots down into God's word and allow God's word to fill you up with the spirit that comes from God's word so that you can be fruitful as well. The only way that you can ever truly be happy is to be a soul winner. And these particular principles that we teach uh, with our Just Ask program, they can work in any particular environment. What we do is we go out and we, we ask people, ASK, we can ask permission, share the gospel, keep the conversation going. But you may not be able to go out onto the high street and be a soul winner. There's lots of different ways that you can do that. For example, let's say that you want to use creation for Christ to be a soul winner. The principles are the same. They're exactly the same. You ask someone if they want to study the Bible with you. And then what do you do? You sit down and you take them through creation to Christ and you're able to share the gospel with them that way. And you want to keep that conversation with them going as long as you possibly can. Am I right? Maybe you want to use discovery Bible, the discovery Bible method and you want to ask someone if they want to come with you to Bible study. And hopefully at that Bible study, it's very evangelistic and they're able to hear the gospel and you want to keep them coming and you want to keep that conversation going for as long as you possibly can. The principles are exactly the same. The only thing that is different is the context and the environment. But what we must be if we are ever going to be happy in Christ, we must be soul winners. We must be determined that in whatever context we find ourselves, that we are going to dedicate ourselves to being soul winners. I promise you this, you will never be happy if you are not a soul winner. Now, I know this from personal experience, because I grew up all my life in church, like maybe some of you did. I've been preparing to be a minister 
since my mom first pushed me out. I mean, I, my mom told me that I popped out with a suit on. And I was out there, you know, studying my Bible in, in, the, in the crib. That's the way my whole life was kind of planned out like that. I, I got saved when I was seven. I knew that I was going to be a preacher by the time I was eight. I was studying, I was studying all the time. I, w- I was debating people on eternal security when I was 10 years old. I've always been doing this all my life. But somehow along the way, I got caught up in this idea because I went to Bible college. <laughs> that was a mistake. I went to Bible college, and somehow I got this idea that my job was to fill up a room with people. And there's loads of ministers that, that, that think that. They spend all their time trying to do that. And so I thought that that was my job. And there was a lot of people that tried to tell me that that was my job. Until I finally got really sick and tired of doing that job, because I'm a terrible salesman, and I can't convince anybody to do anything. And so I just thought, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't care about that. And God turned my whole life upside down. He turned me into a soul winner. And I started going out there and I started sharing the gospel with people. And you want to know something that happened to me that was remarkable? I I was happy. I became happy for the first time in a long time. I was miserable in my job until I got out onto the high street and did probably the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life, which was try to share the gospel with complete strangers. And I remember walking home after the first day that I did that. And and by the way, it was a total disaster. I mean, it was a total disaster. I made the complete mess of the whole thing. Uh, I mean, I don't think I convinced anything, anybody of anything. If anything, those people probably believed in Jesus less because I was out there. And on the way home, I cannot even begin to tell you how happy I was. I was like, man, I felt like I was right in the center of the whole universe. I felt like I was right in the middle of God's will. I I knew for a fact that there was no way in the world I could have spent my time better. I felt like I was right in the middle of the battle, like I was actually doing what I read in the Bible that they were doing. My life, all of a sudden, started to look like the Bible's life. And it was so wonderful from that perspective. It was not easy. It was not comfortable. But I was happy. In the middle of that mess, I was so happy. And I I wasn't before. And what the Bible teaches us in Psalm 1, how that if you will put your roots into His Word and through him, if you will start to produce fruit, that's, that's how you will be happy. Now, the world will tell you different. The world will tell you that it's going to take, I don't know, whatever the new real is, I, I can't keep up with it all, the stuff that I have to do to stay happy, right? I have to go to bed at 12 a.m., and I have to wake up at 4 and somehow still get nine hours of sleep, and I have to make sure that now I have to eat mushrooms to be happy. I've never even heard of that in my life. Something called lion's mane. If I don't eat that, then I'm not complete. I have to do that while I do my job, and I have to spend time and have romantic dates with my wife while I also start a side business in order to be happy. 
I've got to do all of this stuff and I've got to be thin and I've also got to try to put on weight. I don't, I don't know what to do. I literally saw a reel the other day where the guy told me, this is no joke. He said, if all you're doing is drinking regular water, you are actually dehydrating yourself. <laughs> and I was like, I give up. <laughs> you can't even trust water anymore. I, I give up. I can't do it. There's so much stuff they're telling you that you have to do to be happy. It's not true. None of it is true. And that's just the beginning, okay? That's just the small stuff. That's like the low-hanging fruit for them. Okay, we don't even have time to go into how they're going to have you self-actualize or how they're going to take you into psychotherapy to have you regress so that you can become the person that you were really meant to be because you can redeem yourself through the power of yourself and the gospel that they want to preach to you and that's how you're actually going to become a happy person. It's a lie, it's not true. That is not how you will be happy. The Bible tells us how you'll be happy is that if you are filled with the Spirit of God through the Word of God so that you produce the fruit of the Spirit, which has the seed of the gospel in it, and you begin to share the gospel, you begin to reproduce other believers. When you are living out that life, you are, Psalm chapter 1, a happy person. That is the only way that you will ever be happy. And that is all the time that I have. Now, what I want you to do is I want us to split up into our groups. And I need you to pray for this. Pray for these things, but also I need you to pray that God would work through you to become a soul winner in whatever context. Creation of Christ, Bible discovery, personal evangelism through personal conversations, however you want to do it. I want you to be a soul winner. I want you to produce fruit in your life because that is how you become a happy person. Can we, Tad, see the map? On the, on the screen. Here is where you need to go to break up into your groups. Guys, I love you very much, and I wish you all the happiness in the world. It's only found in one place, and that's in Christ. All right. God bless you guys.